Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm the preacher, Dave McGuerra. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And every so often, we do a show which we call an Israel Update, because Israel is a country that never stands still. So there's always something to talk about. There's always something moving. There's always something that's different today than it was yesterday. And we know that many of our listeners follow the news in Israel closely, are very attached to Israel. So we thought we'd take this show and talk about some of the recent developments, and there are some pretty significant ones. I like this. I always think that it's great to keep our listeners updated. And why not? We got boots on the ground right there in Israel. And uh, for those who who may not be familiar with uh, the Teacher and the Preacher radio program, so we've got an Orthodox Jew and a Christian pastor who are uh, just wonderful friends and who dare to talk about anything and everything. But there are some things that um, that mark differences between us, and that's our faiths. And yet while we have so much that we are together on, we still have these issues that uh, have been divisive for years. But we, we love to talk about those things, and we love to be able to use this program as educational, but at the same time, we're also 9,000 miles apart, aren't we, Harold? We are, and uh, but it, it seems like we're in the same room due to modern technology. I love that. So I, I think this is going to be a, a wonderful use of our time today. So let's get going because we have a lot to talk about, and one of those things is right at the doorstep, and, um, and that is these recent holidays, and in particular, just one this this past week. Why don't we talk about that to get us going? So this past week, we had two holidays, uh, what's called in Hebrew Yom HaZikaron, which is Israel's Memorial Day, and then what's called Yom HaAtzma'ut, which is Israel's Independence Day, essentially comparable to America's July 4th. Now, what's different and unusual well, about the way Israel does it, uh, as opposed to the U.S., in the U.S. you have Memorial Day, you know, sometime in May, then in July 4th you have Independence Day. In Israel, Memorial Day, uh, it started this past Tuesday night, and it, it just like Jewish holiday, starts at night and goes sundown to sundown, so Tuesday night through Wednesday. And then Wednesday night, immediately from Memorial Day, you go right in into Independence Day. So it's this uh, almost like whiplash, if you will, that you're going <laughs> from this this feeling of there are over 23,000 uh, Israelis who have fallen since 1948, either soldiers in war or victims of terrorism. And 
uh, you see on Memorial Day, you know, there was a time, I think, in America where Memorial Day was like this, where it was closer to uh, wars that had happened. And uh, today, you know, many people are not necessarily, there are people who are personally affected, but many people are not. And it's a time, you know, for sales and that kind of thing. And in Israel, there are many, many people who are personally affected still. And you see the cemeteries, for example, completely filled uh, with uh, family members visiting, you know, the graves of loved ones. And that's the mood on Memorial Day. And then it just, that evening just flips. And now we're celebrating you know, that sacrifice that all of those people made, we're now celebrating the land that we're in and, you know, what that sacrifice has brought. And, you know, this is always interesting to me because just just recently, hardly in the rearview mirror, was Yom HaShoah, the uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. Right. And some of the things that Israel does that I think are very unique and very specific and intentional to honor these people who have lost their lives, these events that were historical in the life of the Jewish people, um, Israel does some very unique things on that particular holiday and on Memorial Day. Let's, let's talk about that. So, uh, I just think these are interesting of what, what the Israelis do to really say, all right, everybody, everybody, in order to pay attention to this, this is what we do. Right, so Yom HaShoah Holocaust uh, Memorial Day was about a week ago, and people often say that with Memorial Day, we, we understand the cost of having a state, and Holocaust Remembrance Day helps us remember the cost of not having a state. You know, if you think about had Israel been around, uh, you know, in the days of the Holocaust, how things might have turned out differently. So it's something, yes, exactly as you said, Dave, that with, with both of them, all of Israeli society, or I should say almost all of Israeli society, participates in. And one of the ways you really see this uh, very tangibly is at 10 o'clock in the morning on Yom HaShoah, a siren sounds. And this also happens on Memorial Day at eight o'clock in the evening and then again in the morning. And what happens when that siren sounds? Everybody, no matter where they are across the country, stops. And when I say everybody, I, I mean, you know, people in their homes, they stop, they stand, they just, it's a moment of silence listening to the siren, remembering. And you, in fact, what I'm about to say, if you go to our Facebook page, The Teacher and the Preacher, you can see a picture I posted of this. Uh, you will see on the highways, all of the cars stop. People don't keep driving. They actually stop. And you will see major highways where traffic is just at a standstill and people are out of their cars and just standing, listening to the siren. And it's really a sight to behold. Yes, touching. It's very touching. Yeah, It's touching, um, I think, in a number of ways. And one of them, not least of which, is... You're seeing, uh, and this is something we're going to talk about actually next week in our show on morality, you're seeing a society come together as a society. In other words, it doesn't matter whether someone's secular, religious, right-wing, left-wing, um, you know, what their lifestyle is, they're all in this together, and, and that's really what that siren is about. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing thing. You know, unfortunately, so many times, you know, the holiday... Because, as you already pointed out, if you're, if you're quite a number of years distant from a war, 
it ends up being, you know, picnics and barbecues and gatherings and festivities. Right. But, you know, to have that solemn reminder and keeping it at the forefront of what this day is about, I think Israel does a pretty amazing job on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would amazing agree. Amazing job. Then it, it, it goes into, you know, that's the other amazing thing where it just, it flips and you have Yom HaSma'ud and you can just think of July 4th. Uh, for our listeners, it's, it's a very similar atmosphere and this year Israel will be celebrating its 73rd year since, you know, declaring independence in 1948. Uh, many people call it the birth of the state of Israel. I, I always refer to it as the rebirth because, you know, this, this is the Jews returning and that's also a sight to behold because you see all over Israel this massive celebration uh, and you think about in this 70 plus years what has happened in that time and how uh, Israel has grown, uh, really growth that you really could say is of biblical proportions. Yeah, wow. Well, these are good days on the one yep. hand and yet Israel, because of its... Uh, its neighborhood lives in some um, challenging times as well. So let's talk about challenging times by talking about the recent election. <laughs> oh, boy. I thought you were going to talk about Iran, but you know it's hard to say which is a bigger threat, Iran or our politicians. Uh, so one's external, one's internal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could do a show or two or, or ten on this. Uh, I think we've, we've talked about the Israeli uh, political system before. And, you know, I always say in America, you have it easy because it's uh, you have other challenges, but it's, it's two parties. It's am I voting for this person or that person? And, and usually it's the lesser of two evils and then you're done. Here we have 37 parties. There's, I won't get into all of this because we've discussed this before, but there's a whole system where you have to, nobody ever gets a majority, so you have to form a coalition uh, that constitutes a majority of the Knesset. Uh, we are now, we just finished our fourth elections. Um, Bibi Netanyahu has been unable to keep a coalition together uh, for now for several years, and, and there are a whole host of reasons for that. Um, you know, Some of that is that he's, uh, basically just made some enemies that maybe he shouldn't have. Uh, people don't want to work with him, that kind of thing. Uh, he's also the longest serving prime minister we've had. Uh, he's been in office a total of 15 years. And, uh, you know, there are people who say, hey, maybe it's, we don't have term limit laws here yet. I think we will probably after after Netanyahu. But some people are saying, hey, time to move on. So we're now in a situation uh, again, you have to get, uh, there's 120 seats in the Knesset. You have to pull together a coalition of 61 seats to have a majority. Right now, uh, Netanyahu has 52 seats in the potential coalition. And um, I think people are trying to, you know, slice and dice this every which way to figure out who, which parties he can bring in. And it doesn't seem to be any possible way that he can make this happen, which means either somebody else may be able to form a coalition, and there are all sorts of possibilities. As I said, this is very far from a two-party system. Uh, or the other possibility is we would actually go to fifth elections, which I think, uh, I, I don't think you will find one Israeli who would be positive about that. Yeah, this is always fascinating. So the chances of um, Prime Minister Netanyahu being able to form a coalition... Uh, what happens if that doesn't come about, and what's the time frame that he has in order to be able to do that? So he has 28 days, which we're almost halfway through that now, and he's been working hard at it, but he's not there yet. 
And if he doesn't manage to pull it off in 28 days, then uh, there's we have also a president in addition to a prime minister. It's a cere largely ceremonial function, somewhat like the king or queen of England. Uh, but the one thing the president does is task somebody with forming a coalition. So if Netanyahu can't do it, it goes back to the president uh, and he then uh, can either task somebody else or if somebody else can't do it, then it gets bumped over to the Knesset. And at that point, literally any member of the Knesset could become prime minister if they get enough people voting for them. So in short, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it could end up leading to yet another election. It, right? it, it could. I think everybody, I mean, really everybody is trying to figure out ways to avoid that. Um, and there are some creative solutions and there are parties that you would never think would come together in a coalition that are talking about being together in a coalition for exactly this reason, just to avoid, you know, five elections in two years is is um, a little beyond. Well, you never know. You know, this crazy election may result in the return of the Messiah when we see that the far left and the far right actually can come together. I mean, it... <laughs> I, I will tell you, there are, there are days that I'll, I'll read the news and I'll see which politicians are saying they can work together. And I, 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 I'm saying, you know, maybe the Messiah is coming because you, you read this and you're like, no, it can't be. I mean, some very far right or very far left people saying, yeah, I could support this very far right candidate for president. I mean, really like the equivalent of Bernie Sanders saying, yeah, I, I could support Donald Trump. But those, those kind of moments. Yes, yes. Well, as we like to always remind people, Israel is a very interesting and intriguing place. And this is just one more piece of it. For sure. Yeah. So let's talk about how things are with uh, COVID and the and the progress that's happening there in Israel. So as far as COVID, it's interesting because Israel, uh, it's we've had more days in lockdown than I think almost any other country on the planet. We finally opened up. Israel had a very vigorous vaccination campaign, and, and we're not going to get into you know all the ins and outs of uh, you know people have different feelings about the vaccine, but. Uh, the fact is, and this is one thing Netanyahu really um, did well, he got Pfizer on board very early on and got the vaccine over here. And I think it's of over 5 million of a population of 9 million is now vaccinated. So we're pretty much open and open for business. Uh, and that means tourism has been closed, but starting May 23rd, they're going to start opening back up. Now, there are some restrictions. It's only groups. People have to have tests. Um, they're not saying you have to have the vaccine, but you do have to have the serological test. So I think they're they're taking it slowly because they've made a lot of gains as far as containing, uh, containing the virus because it, uh, there, it was a very high infection rate for a long time. Uh, so I think they're being very cautious, but they are opening up. I love that. I love that. I, I, I want and hope and pray that Israel will once again thrive. So it's yeah. been a tough ride uh, when, you, when you lean heavily on tourism. So anyway, I can't wait to get back. Well, let's move to something that's been just really pretty big in the news lately, and that's this really battle ongoing, long, kind of long-running, undeclared shadow war between these uh, two countries, Iran and Israel, 
that seems to be heating up. I know recently we had an event that took place in the Red Sea between Israel and Iran, damaging an Iranian military vessel that was supposedly damaged by an apparent Israeli mine attack. And then this recent, uh, I don't know how it happened, but somehow (laughs) in the middle of the night, once again, the nuclear plant there in Iran was um, was attacked, and they they point fingers at Israel. Let's let's talk about this. This is a very fascinating piece. Yeah, the uh, you know in in business there's a um, a phrase called mission creep, where you you start off with one thing and then it just starts getting a little more and a little more and a little more, and all of a sudden it's it's way more than you would ever planned on. So I think that's actually happening with Israel and Iran. And you can't quite say Israel and Iran are at war in the conventional sense yet, but it's it's really getting there. Uh, this started with, you know, Iran has been making inroads in Syria for years, and Israel will go in, uh, fly in, bomb Iranian military facilities. And um, you know, Israel, and sometimes in coordination with the U.S., uh, they've sent viruses that have closed down the nuclear plant. And yeah, just as you said, now it's it's kind of uh, bumping up a notch because we had uh, Iran actually attacked uh, several Israeli civilian um, ships, like cargo ships. Uh, this is in the last few months. So People are saying it's in retaliation for that. This was a few weeks ago. There was this ship, the Saviz, Iranian ship in the Red Sea, and apparently it's it's pretty well known. This is a, it's not a cargo ship. It's actually really a spy ship. And and yeah, just as you said, uh, there was an Israeli mine, uh, and it, that ship was blasted. And then yeah, things go bump in the night. So we're talking uh, just about a week ago, April 11th, Natanz nuclear site. Just just as Iran is getting ready to majorly bump up uh, its production of centrifuges, uh, all of a sudden this bomb goes off, apparently smuggled to the site, detonated remotely. Uh, the uh, the site's primary electrical system, as well as its backup, completely out. It remains non-functional. Um, the word is it's going to take them months, possibly close to a year, to get back up and running. So um, Iran, of course, is now saying they're going to retaliate, and there are ways they can do that, if not directly at Israel, certainly at Israeli sites abroad and so forth. So uh, th- this could get dicier even than it's gotten already. Well, it, now it seems like it's spreading a bit because it's not only this direct issue of keeping Iran from having nuclear capability, but now it has this maritime dimension to it where it's right. it's spreading into you know the the, the travel and, and and things that are happening by way of the the waterways and then of course Syria and Lebanon so it's Israel is uh, battling Iran on three different fronts and it seems to be something that is really the fulfillment of what is, Israel has said all along to Iran and to the rest of the world we, we will not allow Iran to have nuclear capability. Now, this was the mantra of, you know, George W., as well as President Obama. Uh, but, you know, I think that was more talk than it was anything. But yeah. for Israel, they, they don't have that ability to just make threats. I mean, these things are don't, don't 
try us because we will follow through with what we say because Israel's very, very emphatic about, you know what, if you hit us, we're, we're going to hit you back twice as hard. Right. And I think it's very important that Israel has to get that message across because, uh, you know, Iran needs to understand from Israel's perspective that, you know, we're not playing games here and they're not going to get anywhere with this. Now, the problem becomes, first of all, this is where the mission creep happens that, you know, if you start having ships attacked at sea and if this starts getting to be a regular thing you have basically a war going on so that that's one and then you know who knows where that leads on um, the other thing is if we were talking about um i don't know some uh, i'm not thinking of a good example but some country let's say that actually was reasonable um you, you could you could drive a message home and they, they would get it uh, but Iran is fanatical about this, and they're in many ways not unlike Nazi Germany. They have an obsession with the idea of destroying the Jewish state, what they call the Zionist enemy. And therefore, no matter how hard they're hit, they're going to just keep going as best they can. So I think the only option, unfortunately, Israel has is to just keep hitting them as hard as they can. Yeah, this is this is an interesting piece. You know, one of the things that we've known is that the Americans and the Israelis have actually worked together in the past to try to keep a damper on Iran's nuclear ambitions. Yeah. But in this recent event, the U.S. has been very quiet, very silent. And under the Trump administration, I think Donald Trump never was bashful about, yeah, we did that. Yeah, we were involved in that. We make no bones about that. Yeah. But things have been pretty quiet right now in regards to the U.S. just staying silent over this issue. This latest blast, um, the U.S. has denied involvement, but I, I really don't think they were involved. Uh, you know, Biden very much wants to try to uh, jumpstart again the the nuclear deal get it going again and in fact what the timing of this uh is very interesting because the talks with the u.s and the europeans and iran were just about to start in vienna uh like literally just about to start and also at that moment uh u.s defense secretary lloyd austin is in israel trying to assure israel that you know everything will be okay and uh, netanyahu is saying to him exactly what you said dave that they will we will do whatever we need to do to assure that um, they don't get nuclear weapons and just as these talks are going to uh, start to jumpstart the deal um, the bomb goes off and now iran is not sure they want to um, you know uh, do this which fits israel's interests but not um president biden's interests well you know iran has continued to spew its hatred towards israel letting the world know that israel is nothing but a cancer on the face of the earth it needs to be wiped out it's a blight it needs to be removed and while it spews this out it continues to maintain its mantra which is we're we're developing nuclear capability for electrical purposes. Now, the world powers don't trust Iran. Um, there, there just is this whole suspicion that its purpose is to have a nuclear bomb. But all the while, Iran denies this. While this is going on, 
Israel presents to the world enormous overwhelming evidence of all of the efforts of Iran to create a nuclear warhead or warheads. They want to develop their own arsenal. This is one of the things that's caused Egypt and Saudi and Jordan and now the UAE to, to, to come close to Israel because they live in great concern about Iran's capability. And so this is not something that can just be a matter of talking points. I mean, there's action going on. There's the ongoing bow your neck, we're going to keep developing and enriching uranium um, while these other nations around Israel know that they can't afford to just believe that other powers of the world are going to keep Iran in check. So it's it's a very interesting chessboard with unique players and unique pieces, isn't it? Oh, for sure, for sure. And, you know, there's there's the economic interest here because Iran has oil. I mean, that's at the end of the day, <laughs> when it comes to the Middle East, uh, that's a lot of what this is about. And uh, so you have a lot of these European countries. Yeah, they don't trust Iran, but they want the oil. China has just invested or at least promised to invest heavily in Iran in exchange for oil. So there, there's that piece. Uh, when this uh, attack on the Natanz nuclear site happened uh, last week, Germany, and there, there's a real irony here that it was Germany, uh, Germany comes out and issues a statement that, you know, this, this attack w- was not a positive step. Um, you know, I, I think you could, <laughs> you could draw your own conclusions about, given Germany's history, whether uh, they really should be commenting on, on, on this at all, given what uh, Iran's stated attempt, right. intent toward Israel is. But the, why is it not a positive step? Because it's not, for them, I don't think it's, it, yeah, they want to contain the, uh, Iran's nuclear ambitions, but at the end of the day, they want the oil and they want the financial benefits that would accrue with uh, doing business with Iran. Yeah. Well, these are always interesting updates, and we've pretty much run the clock out on this particular program, Harold, but I want to encourage our listeners to be able to go to our website, teacherandthepreacher.com, teacherandthepreacher.com. You're going to find some other information out about uh, not only this program, but other programs that we've done. There's a whole list of archived programs there. There's good information. We just did a recent program on biblical places, and there's a fantastic slideshow on the website with all of the places that we've talked about. And so we want to encourage you to check us out on our on our website, teacherandthepreacher.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, Teacher and the Preacher Facebook page. Harold does a great job keeping us up with facts of the day and unusual things that you're not going to find in any other news source. And then you can always contact Harold and I at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. We take the time to read through all of our emails and respond back, and we would love to hear from you. Why don't you consider being a donor and keeping us on the air? What a blessing that would be. Because the program is brought to us by Masterminded Ministries, which is the nonprofit workhorse behind the scenes that keeps us on the air. Just go to the Teacher and the Preacher, our website, teacherandthepreacher.com, scroll down, click on the Donate button, and you will feel the love from Harold and I. 
Well, Harold, it's been great to be with you this weekend, and until next weekend, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and our Jewish friends, and may God bless America. Amen.